The following is a CA original. Pouncer, the Palm Squad. Pre- and post-game parties on Beale Street. It's all part of the Memphis Tigers basketball game day experience. This is the Tiger Basketball Podcast. What's happening, Tiger basketball fans? We are back for another edition of the Tiger Basketball Podcast. We are coming to you live from Commercial Appeal NCAA Tournament Headquarters. Port, the Portland in, Yeah, the in Portland, Oregon. I'm Mark Giannato, Commercial Appeal Sports Columnist. I'm joined by Jason Munns, our Tiger Basketball Beat Writer. We are recording this Friday. It's morning here in Portland. It's probably early afternoon for you in Memphis. Uh, on the heels of Memphis uh, beating Boise State 64-53 in the opening round, or I guess round of 64 of the NCAA tournament, they advanced to take on top-seeded Gonzaga Saturday night here in Portland with a chance to go to the Sweet 16. It is This is eight years in the making, a really exciting moment for the program. Um, a gutsy win over Boise State, and now uh, it feels like you know the pressure's off a little bit because you know they're they're clearly the underdog against Gonzaga, um, who's trying to get that elusive national title that they haven't been able to get. And you know I bet a lot of people aren't giving them much of a chance outside of Memphis, but um, just feels like a lot was accomplished here in the last. Uh, 48 hours. It was one thing to make the tournament, but to now get a win in the tournament, um, has, it, it's it's a big step for Penny Hardaway in this program. Um, Munz, what was uh, what was your biggest take? We'll get into the Boise State game. We'll preview the Gonzaga game. We'll get you ready for everything you might need to know. But what were your take? What was your biggest takeaway? from that experience Thursday, whether it was basketball related or kind of emotional related. Yeah. I mean, I think the biggest takeaway has to be the fact that they got off the schneid, uh, the tigers, they, um, had been waiting eight long years to get back to hit to this point. And, um, so yeah, I mean like that, that is the biggest, but that was kind of last week, right? Like we, we knew they were going to be here. Mm -hmm. Uh, we've known for a few days they were going to be here. So I guess, Strictly speaking of what happened yesterday, about what happened yesterday, Thursday, I, I would say the biggest takeaway is that uh, Memphis won the basketball game. Um, and then, I, I mean, I would say just like the play of Jalen Duran um, on, a, on, on a big stage, he kind of, well, let's, let's start with yesterday's hero. Which who was Alex Lomax? Yeah. It felt like like Duran played a great game. He had a double double, uh, ten points, seven rebounds. I was getting there. Yeah, uh, DeAndre Williams had fourteen points, seven of eight from the field. Landers Nolly was hitting threes after not hitting threes in the conference tournament. Um, but Alex Lomax, his stat line was not like the greatest stat line of all time. He was two of five from the field, nine points, five rebounds, five assists. Very uh, Alex Lomax-like stat. When Alex Lomax is at his best, that's what it looks like. But it was how he did it. I mean, he he turns his ankle, lands on a Boise State player when he hits a three to put Memphis up 38-19 in the first half. 
on the ground in pain. Um, in the moment, it felt almost like a secondary storyline because you're, it was more like, okay, is he going to be healthy for the Gonzaga game? Because at that point, Memphis was rolling yeah. past Boise State. But the game obviously got close in the second half, and and there's Lomax gutting it out um, and uh, makes a you know one of those quintessential Alex Lomax plays, poking the ball away uh, with about um, I think it was about forty seconds, maybe. Yeah, under a minute, minute, under a minute to go, and the lead is down to five. It got down to five a couple times, and there's Lomax. Um, you know, technically it's 50 seconds left. Yeah. And they, they credited the steal to Jalen Duren because it ended up in his hands. But it was Lomax who knocked the ball loose. Um, and and Duren gets the layup and Memphis never looked back. And and by the way, for good measure, Alo hit the four last four free throws right. to kind of cinch it. Right. Um, but it felt very symbolic because of Alex Lomax's connection to Penny Hardaway because you know, what him and Penny said after the game, how, you know, like, like Alex, both immediately after the game, when talking to Andy Katz of TNT, and then in the press conference with us, talked about this win in terms of, I grew up watching this program, I know what it means to Memphis to be in the NCAA tournament and win in the NCAA tournament. And like, he, I'm so grateful that I was able to, to give the city this moment. And so it just felt like, to me, almost like full circle, like he's been Alex took so much criticism at times because he wasn't the point guard everyone wanted for this team and this program. But like the way he's performed down the stretch, what he did against that against Boise State, like I just think it, the you know, there's no more there's there's not really a reason to criticize him. Like, like the guy is uh, really when you think about the beginning Let's say this Penny Hardaway era lasts a while. When you think about the beginning stages of it, I think in part you're going to think about Alex Lomax. Um, you know, he, he, I think he cemented his spot yeah. in program history. Yeah. yeah. Um, you know, there's I, think, no I think he deserved this moment. Like, let's say, let's. I mean, obviously Gonzaga is a heavy favorite. So let's say, let's say Memphis's run ends uh, Saturday. Well, then, like, this is it's it's really. Uh, a fitting way for Memphis to sort of ho hopefully, I guess they're hoping it ushers in a new era, mm -hmm. you know, a new era of postseason success. And yeah, it was, this is the launching point. Yeah. And like it was how, how, how fitting is it that it, that you, you know, the whole, the whole thing is uh, uh, Alex Lomax is, is the story of the game and, and the story of, uh, you know, in the bigger picture, it, it all comes together really nice. Yeah, and I want, one of the many storylines that going into this Gonzaga game is going to be how is his ankle yeah. going into it? Because he was going on adrenaline. He even admitted that in the second half. And, like, he's going to play. He said he's going to play. I don't doubt that he'll play. But how, you know, is he going to be, you know, he clearly was not quite the same in the second half after he turned the ankle. Is it going to be slightly better than that? Is it going to be slightly worse because it ballooned up or, you know, got swollen, all that stuff. So his ankle will be something to monitor here um, down the stretch. Before we get more into the Gonzaga game, though, the other one of the other I don't know if it factored that much into the result of the game, but we saw the return of Mamani Bates against oh, yeah. Boise State. Oh, yeah. Um, right. It was a big deal going into uh 
going into the game because, you know, he practiced here in Portland and we were getting indications that, that it was certainly they were considering playing him for the first time since January 27th. And lo and behold, I believe it was about seven minutes left in the first half. Yeah, uh, something like that. In came Amani Bates for the first time. I think it was five fifty something, maybe. Yeah, it was a Here, little. We'll look at the play by play. It was a little earlier than that, but it was. Uh, yeah, it was five fifty-seven. Yeah, right, five fifty-seven. He comes into the game and promptly swishes. I guess not promptly. A minute and a half in, his first shot is an open three-pointer, and he hits nothing but net. Very. Um, and bare- it puts him. It puts him up double digits, and that's like. For the first time of the game. Yeah, no, it felt like a. It, I don't know how much ultimately it factored into the result because of Boise State's rally in the second half, but it was positive minutes. Yeah. You know, like that. And, you know, Penny said he was on a minutes restriction. He played a little under four minutes in the first half um, and then did not play in the second half because Penny thought it, it was, you know, it, I believe Penny used it was getting rough. Right. Like, rugged. Rugged. Yeah. yeah. And so. Um, but it sounds like he, he was on a minute's restrictions of four minutes each half, something right. like that. Um, and uh, he gave him positive minutes. And even though it wasn't like, uh, I don't think it was really a storyline that affected the result. The fact that it wasn't a negative, I think, is a big deal. Um, I think that's a very good way to look at it. Yeah. Anything, yeah, as long as it wasn't negative, mm-hmm. then... It's all, you know, you're good. And we'll see. My guess is we'll see a little bit of them against Gonzaga, too. I bet I bet we do. I bet we see. I, I feel like we're going to see considerably more of him. We'll see. I mean, it'll be interesting. I think it'll all depend on how the game plays sure, out. Sure. Um, but I think you're going to need shooting against Gonzaga. And yeah. I, I think that's why they're doing this. I think they feel, you know, like Landers was hitting yesterday. But Lester and Tyler didn't really hit yesterday from outside. Like they need, they kind of need another outside shooter. You saw that in the Houston game in the conference term. I mean, yesterday, Landers hit two threes, but and Lester hit a three too. Yep. Um, but Tyler has not been playing great of late right. offensively. Right. Um, and so it's uh it could be helpful for um Memphis to have Amani Bates at its disposal, especially if he's going to be willing to be a role player, which is what he sort of did against Boise State. So um, that's another thing. And then, you know, the other thing was, I mean, it got lost. It's funny, like the way Penny coached this game, I thought he did a great job ultimately. But there is no other coach in the country who in the first half would play 12 different guys including a lineup we had a we had an ode to east high school lineup at the beginning of the game with alex lomax Jaden hardaway chandler lawson and malcolm dandridge all in the same lineup with with lester quinones so we had the east high tribute lineup do you think that there's any part of that's a bit conscious decision His I, I don't know i don't know about the specific lineups i do think and we're gonna i'm gonna ask him about this at our at his press conference later this afternoon before the Gonzaga game. But I think it was more, I want to make sure he, he talked about it a little bit Wednesday. Like this is an experience for these kids going yeah. to the NCAA tournament. I think he wanted to get everyone in the game in the first half so that they could say they played in an NCAA tournament game. That's how I think. I don't know if he was trying to do an ode to East high school, for instance, 
I just think I bet he was. I just think he brought Jaden and Chandler in like that. Yeah. Because he wanted to get them minutes early so that they could, you know, so they played an NCAA tournament game. And then right after that, we got a lineup that I don't think we saw all season long. And actually it was it was a disaster. Uh <laughs> Boise State uh tied the game at twelve after it, but it was Earl Timberlake, Jaden Hardaway, Josh Minot, Chandler Lawson, Malcolm Dandridge. I don't think we'd ever seen that lineup the entire season. Nope. Um, another interesting development. I don't know if it was matchup related or like for this whole stretch run, the last month, month and a half, he's basically almost exclusively either had Alo at point guard, Tyler at point guard, or both of them in the game at the same time. Okay. And in this game, he played seven minutes without Alex Lomax or Tyler Harris on the floor. Seven minutes of that game, Earl Timberlake was manning the point. It was mostly Earl, but it was like Earl, huh. Lester chipping in. But seven minutes of that game occurred without Tyler or Alo on the court. Now, I think it was partially because, you know, Boise had some big guards. Um, and I think especially Tyler, you know, they didn't, you know, I, I don't think they wanted to expose yeah. him like that. Yeah. Um, and so, but that was a kind of another, like he ba- he did some things in the game. Again, I don't know if other coaches would do it like that, like where he did stuff that he hadn't done before. And all and most of it worked. Everything but that one lineup that he had never used before where they tied up 12-12. I mean, everything else, he kind of it, it kind of worked. So you yeah. can't really, I mean, like, you know, there was some method to the madness. Um, and then the second half, he really, other than it, there was a two-minute 10 stretch where he brought, he played Lomax and Harris together down the stretch. But really like basically nine of the last 11 35 nine minutes that he played the starters um yeah down the stretch yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, now the starters what's an interesting development I, I track these lineups if you look at this over the last um few games so since the the UCF game the, in the conference tournament the starters were fantastic were plus 13 against SMU they were minus one. They're outscored by one point when they're on the floor against SMU. Against Houston, they were outscored by six points after outscoring, after dominating Houston in the regular season. And then yesterday, they were only a plus one with the starters on the floor. So that starting lineup has not, uh, like, it's gotten off to some good starts. You know, like it was, they were plus four when they came out yesterday, but they have not, it, it, that thing was like a dynamo when they first started using it when yeah. Landers got inserted into the starting lineup. But the past several games, it hasn't been quite as dynamic. That's that starting unit. So what does that tell you? Um, I mean, I don't know. I, I don't know what to glean from that because you're right. It, it, it works so well for a long time mm-hmm. when they when, when Penny went. Well, I still it. think it's working. I think, one, the competition is ramped up. You yeah. know, like we're talking That's about true. they're playing. They're not playing USF and, right. and Temple anymore. Cincinnati. You know, they're playing, you know, the past three games they've played. I mean, you could argue SMU's a tournament team, too, at least a a borderline one. And then Houston's a five seed and then Boise State's a conference champion. Yeah, I I think that's part of it. Um, But I don't know what you glean from it other than, um, you know, ultimately, I think um, those five guys. I still think it's a good starting line. Like they were plus four to start the Boise game. They were in the Houston game. No one really played well. 
SMU. Yeah, they haven't gotten them off to great starts lately. Um, like two out of the past four games, they haven't gotten them off to great starts. But I think it's partially probably matchup dependent too. Yeah, um, that's true. You know, so um, ultimately it's going to be really interesting in this Gonzaga game how Penny decides to work his rotation. Is he going to play 12 guys again in the first half? I find that hard to believe. But but he's but that's who he is. Not I mean, 12. He hadn't played 12 well, in a long time. Like, yes, he's going to play like 10 guys. But like, I mean, I don't know. Like, you can't. He got away with getting outscored by four points in with that lineup he'd never used before. You're not going to get away with that against Gonzaga. You, yeah. you played two bad lineups in a row like he did there where he played the East High lineup and then that where it was kind of like they weren't good. Um, yeah, like, you can't do that against Gonzaga. Right. So um, I think he'll coach it differently. I think this will be a tighter rotation against Gonzaga. Maybe early he still plays 10. You know, but it won't be like a full scale thing. It'll be like a piece here, a piece there. I would there. think I would think so. You know, like ultimately Penny is, you know, again, he is different than any other coach in the country. Yeah. And I will say, I say different, I don't mean worse, you know, like he just handles it differently. Um, but you're hearing the respect, whether it was Leon Rice or Mark Few, like I think I think Penny he may do some things that are kind of, you know, again, like no one else would do them that way. Unconventional. Unconventional, unorthodox. But, like, I think there's a lot of respect from around the country at what he's done to turn this team around. I, I, uh, agree. I, agree. I think people's perception of him as a coach has been elevated by this run Memphis has gone on. And whether they win or lose against Gonzaga, um, I think it's altered the perception moving forward. Like, it's going to be a, like – people are going to think about Penny Hardaway in this program differently this off season and going into next year because of what they've done here over the last couple months. Yeah. I mean, just the degree of difficulty, you know, to get to this point. And, and I mean, you know, obviously some of it was self-inflicted mm-hmm. um, or, you know, self-perpetuated or whatever, but, uh, but yeah, like the fact that, no, you're, you're absolutely right. I think Penny Hardaway has made some fans and, and, garnered a lot of respect um among his peers and 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 just national from a national perspective like you can't like i'm not saying he's the greatest coach of all time yet but like you can't just say oh he can't coach like no like that's over like that's stupid it just sounds silly that is a hundred percent over like yeah. as far as the like you know thinking about things that that other programs use against you on the on the recruiting trail mm-hmm. like I mean, you know, they they may still try, but to to use certain things like that against him. But like this, this is this that that narrative is over. Yeah, the no, it's dead. It, and it'll be, you know, it's interesting. I mean, he's got Jalen Duran is playing like a monster right now, and another double. double. I mean, the, some of the rebounds he comes down with are just amazing. Yes. at this point, yes, he he skies over when it's just like brute force at times. Um, yeah, it's very violent sometimes the way he brings the ball down. Yeah. Um, and, you know, I thought DeAndre gave him good minutes. Again, he had seven of eight from the field. Yeah, he had four turnovers, he which did. was bad. That was not good. Like, he does some things. Yeah, DeAndre does some things where you're like, man, this is like, this is like the veteran guy they need, whatever. And then he, sometimes he, like, he's 
some his basketball IQ can sometimes leave a little bit to be desired. I'll times. give you that. I mean, one of those turnovers, at least one, was a charge that it was an it was a bad charge. It, it was. And he it was knew like it. a it he was like it. a yeah. It was like a what are you doing charge? Yeah, yeah. It, it was. A, uh, but he was seven of eight from the field. Gave him some big buckets um, down the stretch, and and so and once again, I mean, you know, that game against Boise was teetering. You know, Abu key jab. Scored 18 of Boise's last 20 points. All 20 of his points, I think, came in the second half. And it was just methodically like they were. It was just slowly, slowly evaporating. And it got it got pretty scary there for a second. Um, and then, as we said, Lomax makes the big play. And, um, you know, they make some, you know, hit Landers hit a big shot. Lester hit a big shot. Um, so... They did what they needed to do down the stretch. That's all that really matters. Um, even though they, you know, they got outplayed probably overall in the second half, got outscored by eight points in the second half. Yeah. Um, all that matters, they pulled it out in the end. They got they, you know, ultimately Boise never got closer than five points. Um yep. the lead never got below five points in the second half. And so now here we are. Number nine seed Memphis against top seeded Gonzaga, the number one seed in the entire NCAA tournament. Um, lots of different things we can digest here. Gonzaga had some trouble in their first round game against Georgia state. It was like a tie game with 10 minutes to go. Right. Uh, and then I think you did see the, just the, the ceiling of Gonzaga. Like they just, I think they went on a 16 0 run and it was just dominant. Um, but yeah, I'm going to tell you my gut reaction after watching that game, after watching, seeing how this season has played out. Like, Gonzaga's really good. They're not as good as last year, I don't think. Right. Um, well, they're different. Yeah, they're different. Um, last year, Jalen Suggs was the catalyst yeah. for them. Yeah, you had Timmy still and some other pieces, but Jalen Suggs was really sort of put them over the top last year and this year it's it's much different yeah the guard play is not quite as dynamic andrew nemhard's a nice player julian strother yeah um but the the let, let's get into it though so i want to get your thoughts the marquee matchup everyone's going to be talking about today okay. and going into the game yeah is the battle inside um because we you've got memphis has deandre williams and jalen duran a probably not talked enough about nationally duo inside right probably it's got to be one of the five or ten best four or five you know in interior duos in the country i think deandre and jalen i think it's fair but probably the best one in the country is gonzaga's inside duo of chet holmgren who's may or may not be the number one pick in the nba draft and drew timmy the preseason national player of the year one of the stars of that gonzaga team that went to the national championship game last year um people are going to build this as Duran versus Holmgren because both you know Holmgren's going to go one two or three at worst in the NBA draft this year and Jalen Duran will probably be a top 10 pick right. and and maybe this is the type of game where he can increase his you know put yeah. get himself up to the top five right. or something like that um if he plays well but I actually don't think they're gonna like I don't think that's how they're gonna match up like I think DeAndre Williams is going to defend Chet Holmgren and Duran is going to defend Timmy because Holmgren spends a lot of time out on the perimeter uh, on offense. And I don't think you want Duran chasing Holmgren around the perimeter. You want him inside 
where he can rebound, where he can be a shot blocker. So I think I think it's going to be DeAndre Williams. But I, it, the the first, if you're going like, what are the keys to this game? Number one, I think is DeAndre Williams and Jalen Durden cannot get in foul trouble. Like you need them on the floor as much as possible in this game, given what Gonzaga has. What are your what are your thoughts on that matchup? Who defends? If like so, you're talking about um, DeAndre defending Chet, Chet and and Jalen defending Drew Timmy. Timmy. So then, so then on the flip side, who who's defending? How, how do you think Gonzaga is going to defend Memphis? I think it'll be the same way because I, I don't think. I don't know. Holmgren's really skinny. Yeah. But if you've ever watched him play defensively, I mean, he is like probably the best shot blocker in the country in terms of his defense. Like, and so I, I think they'll match it up that way. Same way. Same way. But I think I would say this. I think Chet Holmgren is a better matchup defending Duran than Duran is defending Holmgren. Like, I think Holmgren will do better defending Duran, right. Duran will do defending Holmgren. I just think, I think, I think you're risking if you're putting Jalen on on Chet, you're risking him getting in foul trouble. Yeah. Well, so I, I think, think t- frankly, I think Timmy's the same way. He's got all those pump fakes and whatever, and you know, I, I really think the you know it's funny. I was talking to a Georgia State assistant coach who I know after their game, and I asked him about this Memphis Gonzaga matchup, and he's like, he said. He said Gonzaga's bigs are clearly more skilled right. than Memphis's. Right. Like they're the most skilled bigs in the country. It wasn't a wasn't saying it as a negative on Memphis. Yeah, it was a positive on Gonzaga. Like Gonzaga is the most skilled bigs in the country, but he's like they're not the most physical bigs in the country. Right. And he's like, and and his point was, he he's like, I think Memphis can like you know physically push him around a little bit. But he goes, it's all dependent on how they call the game. Right. Like, if it's going to be a tight whistle, that's really going to play to Gonzaga's favor. Uh, whereas if they let him play a little bit inside, that could that could help Memphis negate Holmgren and Timmy. I mean, like, the best way I can think to describe what I think Memphis needs to do to, um, you know, give itself a, a, a chance is, like, like, when we're talking about defending Gonzaga, I think it's got to be, like, controlled havoc. Like they gotta be busy. They gotta be active. They gotta they gotta be physical, but also not too physical. You know what I mean? Like you gotta control it. And but I do think you have to bring the havoc. And like you you've got to disrupt Gonzaga. You know, like they're not gonna beat themselves. Like you gotta mm-hmm. actually actively go out there and take it from them. And I think <laughs> I think a, a like a a big a great a good start, um, a good approach to doing that is active hands uh confusing um you know uh well complicated schemes and things like that like you really got to scheme it up really well and, and execute one. no and i think uh, you know ultimately i think what you're you know hopefully you're hoping you can play their bigs to like a draw underneath and because you know where gonzaga is its weakest is in on the perimeter nemhard Rasir bolton they're both good players um, Nolan Hickman, who comes off the bench, Hunter Salas, but um, it, I, I really think the way Memphis can win this game is it, 
the way it's going to have to probably win this game is its guards are going to have to outplay Gonzaga's guards. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They're going to have to hit shots. Yes, yeah, everybody's got to be on the game. Landers now, they lost Lester Like, you're, you're going to have to, like, I just don't know if you're going to actually completely, you're not going to be able to, like, stop Gonzaga. Right. You might be able to slow them down some, right. but, like, I think you're going to have to score high 70s, low 80s to win this game. Yeah, the foot's got to stay on the gas. You've got to, you got to hit threes. Yeah. Um, because it's just it's just what's necessary in this game. You know, you're playing you're playing one of the national title contenders, and like you are, yes, probably talent wise, you've got just as much talent as them, um, or similar talent to them. Um, but this is a road game. Like, like well, that's the other. That is the other part of this. Yeah. I mean, it was a road game against Boise. Like there were far more Boise fans in the crowd. Than Memphis fans, and that's not a knock on Memphis fans. It's I can tell you from our experience, it is really expensive to get out here. Yeah. I don't blame you know we're on a co- we're on the company dime. I can I do not blame anyone who right. you know on two days notice needed to spend two thousand three thousand dollars. Like that's not easy. No. Um, and, and and this is you know this is just part of the draw. This is what happens when you you know start the year nine and eight. This is where it, this is where it hurts you. You end up playing. You end up being a nine seed and you end up having to go to Portland and play Boise, who's a drive away, and then Gonzaga, who's an even closer drive away. And, you know, we were at that. We were at we were in the arena for part of that Gonzaga Georgia State game. There were a lot of Gonzaga fans there. I think there were a lot of Gonzaga fans at the Memphis Boise game. Well, yeah, I think they came in towards the second half. And I think I think anyone who watched that Boise Memphis game would tell you like i bet you gonzaga's fans were like well we'd much rather see boise state like ultimately you know like boise state was feisty but like memphis actually has the talent to maybe knock gonzaga off i don't think boise does they're dangerous even seth davis uh who said peak peak memphis is scary Mm -hmm. and he's absolutely right like like peak you know, yeah, peak, he said it best. Peak Memphis is is scary, and uh, nobody wants to see them when they're when they're playing their best. So here's what needs to change over the last look at look at their three point shooting over the last one, two, three, four, five over the last over the last four games. They have not hit more than six threes in a game. Yeah, and they're shooting they're not great. Uh, I mean, they went one. They, went, they were five, but even. They, they they probably need to take more threes, um, and and the right threes. Like you still want to play through Jalen Duran and DeAndre Williams, but they need they need those guys. You know those kick out threes. They need those guys hitting, and that's where Monty Bates could come in. He could be a factor sure. as, as you know a spot up shooter for sure. Um, but I think you're going to need to hit eight or more threes in this game, and they haven't hit eight or more threes. Since the Houston game on the road, the first game they uh, went to that starting lineup. Yeah, when, so when things really got serious, um, the game before that against Tulane, they hit ten threes. So yeah, yeah, if they can, if they can sort of revisit that and you know go back to the bottle and open that one up again. I mean, yeah, yeah. So uh, I think it's going to be really important. So yeah. lots of intriguing things in this matchup. We're going to have tons of coverage. Over at commercialappeal.com. We have tons of coverage already over at commercialappeal.com. I mean, we've got coverage of the Boise State game. Uh, Jason did a oral history of 
the 91-92 Elite Eight team that Penny was on. It's the 30-year anniversary of it. It's excellent. You should go check it out at commercialappeal.com. We'll have tons of coverage. That Penny and the team and Gonzaga and Mark Few and their, their players are going to have a press conference later this afternoon. So we'll have coverage of that leading into tomorrow night's game. We're going to have to wait a while uh, on Saturday. Memphis Gonzaga is the last tip-off, tip. 8.40 Central time tip-off. Um, it's 6.40 here in Portland. Um, so you're going you're to have a lot of time on Saturday. To get uh, ready. So a lot of time to go over commercialpill.com and read our coverage. Good. Good um, so um, lots of good stuff. We'll we'll be here in Portland till uh, the very end, uh, and maybe maybe we'll be going to San Francisco. You never know. I yeah, know. I mean that would be next up, and uh, so yeah. But a big big task ahead with Gonzaga. Um, so we'll join you next week or in a few days, win or lose. Uh, we'll have another podcast uh, here at the Tiger Basketball Podcast. Um, but maybe maybe we'll be talking about you know planning a trip to San Francisco. The Sweet 16 in San Fran. Yeah. Um, so that would be a San Francisco treat. Oh. Yeah, there you go. All right. Till next time, I was Mark. That was Jason. Thanks so much for joining us and enjoy uh, this game. Eight years in the making. Tiger Basketball Podcast is a production of the Commercial Appeal.